Hello there everyone, it's Chip Rier here. Before we get started with District of Chip and Friends, one housekeeping note, we are not going to have a podcast this Wednesday. We need to gather more sound and there have been some recent developments outside in the world of broadcasting, of course, because of coronavirus, and we just want to get a little extra time so we make sure these podcasts are good. So if you're listening to this and hoping to get one on Wednesday, you won't, but we will get a new episode of DCAF on Friday. And to make sure you get it as soon as it drops, all you got to do is subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling kind enough, drop a rating and a review. Again, rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Your love is appreciated with our hearts. Okay, DCAF, you ready? Let's do it. The trend these days, as I've said in previous podcasts, is the word weird, and that feeling continued even into Easter Sunday. I made a badass brisket. I, Dude, it was so good, and it was so simple to make, but even then, it just felt super duper odd. My wife made me a candy basket, of course, peeps, which I hate. She knows that, but she, for some reason, loves them. Tells me to put them in the microwave, and they blow up to bigger size. I just feel like that's a disaster waiting to happen. I digress, though, because the only sense of normal I had during Easter Sunday was that I made a brisket. And I didn't have the Masters, and there was no sports to watch. And now I'm seeing reports out there that... Some of our fellow kin of broadcasters, journalists, and writers are starting to feel the sting of coronavirus, where they are not getting paid or they're not getting the financial assistance that they need. And I get that because there's no, and this is specifically for sports. I I do want to say this up front. I get it because there's no sports and you need sports to pay the machine. It's just a really tough time right now, and I'm fortunate enough that I have my job with ABC7, and there are a lot of other people who are fortunate. Some are not. So I guess what I'm getting at is this continues to be a weird transition into the world of podcasting for me. It's not discouraging in the slightest, but it is forcing me to change plans, and that's okay. I was able to talk to Rob Carlin of NBC Sports Washington. You might know him as the Capitals pregame and postgame host. He also hosts the Capitals Talk podcast. He's a great dude. You'll hear about the story of when I first met him. It was kind of a glancing discussion, or glancing, good God, a glance over, if you will. Because I met him, I think it was my first NCAA tournament I met him. It was Charlotte. Virginia was playing, I can't remember who they went up against, but that was fun. And I met him there because he was covering UVA at the time, and it was it was it was really interesting to me considering he is he is the perfect career path for a lot of local journalists out there, and I think now more than ever his conversation I had with him is very timely. A lot of people out there that are sports fans looking for sports content, if you really want to support the people who bring you the sports every single day. Find the people that you like, go and check them out on Twitter, find ways that you can help them get content and be unique and different right now, because that's really what's selling. Whether it's on air, on social media, on the web, podcasting. So give those guys some love. 
We also talked to Michael Phillips of Richmond Times-Dispatch. Great friend. He actually hired me about a year and a half ago to be a freelance writer for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, my hometown, where I worked before I came to D.C. And that helped me a lot, too. He's an incredible writer. He's a great editor. He knows a lot more about sports than you would think looking at him at face value. Even he will admit that. But, man, thinking about how... And, and he mentions this in our conversation, that newspapers digitally are rising in subscriptions in some areas because there's this great storytelling and writing and the deadlines aren't as harsh. Just this double entendre that's going on between television and print where it was digital is the, is, is the end goal for all journalism and now it's proven to be that. But it's actually helping the writers more than it ever has before. So we've got Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch talking Redskins, talking about how the digital subscriptions have been doing well and how he has been able to adapt in this weird time. And then, of course, Rob Carlin of NBC Sports Washington talking about the Caps and hopefully when we get back because he and I both agree the Capitals were Stanley Cup contenders. That's no secret. Everyone was on the same page there. But... You know, we made some good points, and we're going to break it all down. So let's start out with our boy Mike on DCAF. So we just finished one recording for Sports Talk over at WJLA 24-7 News, and now we get to have a little bit more fun with this guy, Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, a great friend. I've gotten to know him since I came back to Richmond from college and worked there for four years. And then he picked me up as a freelance writer. I still thank him to this day that he gave me that opportunity because he made me a better writer. But he's also just a rad dude, and you may think he's nerdy, but dude, he knows more than you, and you should just appreciate the knowledge he has in his brain. Michael, thank you for joining me. How are everything going in Richmond, the family, Easter Sunday? I just made a badass brisket. It was delicious. I posted on my Instagram. What else was going on in the Phelps household? Man, nothing that good. First off, that was an outstanding intro, so thank you. If I ever joined the WWE, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have you be my hype man, so... Uh, you know, that, that that was great. Brisket, man. Mm, you're making me think about ZZQ, which is closed right now. That's Oh, yeah, John Kime is rolling over in bed probably right now. Or maybe this morning. Who knows? He's. <laughs> could you imagine what he would be like if they closed ZZQ on him and he was in line? <laughs> or they ran out. Uh, I did read, though, that, that we're, uh, we have a national excess of chicken wings at the moment. And um, I do believe I can contribute to this problem. I, I can contribute to the solution, not the problem. There you go. Uh, I, I think this is our moment, Chip. This is our time. Let's do it. We got to get the hot sauces out. So you're a chicken wing guy, eh? <laughs> I absolutely bring on the hot sauce. And uh, uh, one, one of our favorites in season is the Thursday all-you-can-eat at the Buffalo Wing Factory in Ashburn. Uh, ah, don't, yeah. don't get to that often enough, um, or maybe you get to that too often for uh, for my physique. But Where are you on your spice scale, 1 to 10? What, how high can you go? Uh, not, I'm not a 10, but I don't, I don't mind a, a seven through nine. Um, yeah. I think I can get there too. You know, I, I don't want the one, there's always the one on the menu. It's like, you know, get this to prove you're a man or like <laughs> laugh at your friends while they attempt to eat this. one. I, I'm not in it to prove a point. I just want it to be tasty. Yeah. That's my whole thing too, because I've seen hot ones. I've seen the bomb. No, thanks. That just looks like pure nitrous in my mouth. I'm, I'm going to pass on that. We got distracted from food because that's what happens, especially in a foodie town like Richmond. And all we got to do is just look at TVs and look at computer screens and listen to coaches and players about what's going on in life and covering the Redskins. We all know number two pick in the draft and 
looks like it's going to be Chase Young. And Ron Rivera pretty much said it out loud, but not saying his name. Everything seems ho-hum at the moment. Nothing really too exciting to talk about. But one thing that I'm always willing to chat about with, with you, especially, Michael, is how Ron Rivera, I mean, he seems like the great head coach that we thought he was going to be. He's made all the right moves. He said all the right things. And when Dan Snyder said, or I'm sorry, when Ron said Dan's communication was every day, it wasn't about, hey, we want to do this. Hey, we want to do that. He just just checking in. That feels so much different than in years past. You've known this beat forever. I'm just hopping on board of four years. How different is it, though, compared to coaches in the past, how Snyder has had that influence over his coaches and Ron seemed to not be as influenced? The guys who have been the most successful here have been guys who have been head coaches before. Those have been the guys who have been able to, they whether it's shut out the noise or tame the beast or whatever it is, obviously, Marty Schottenheimer, Norv Turner, you know, guys who – had a little bit of success in the building. I would argue Mike Shanahan, you know, that that year with RG3 was was the most rolling they've been in the Dan Snyder era. Uh, but, but Shanahan was a guy who continued to to put out a good product there until it all came unraveling at the end. Um, you know, and Rivera's got that. He's a former coach. And so what you know is, you know what it's like elsewhere. Um, and therefore, you know what you like, what you don't like, and, mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, the things that could be pulled over on you uh, – can't be pulled over on you because you've been somewhere and done it before. So he knows, he knows what to expect. He knows what to dictate. He came in first day with a plan. He doesn't come in first day and say, Hey guys, what's going on here? Let me feel this out. How's everybody doing? Show me the ropes. He's going to show them the ropes. He's going to tell them what to do. And he's certainly in what you would call the honeymoon period. Uh, yeah, he yeah. hasn't lost a football game yet. Uh, hasn't, hasn't had a uh, Dan Snyder up in the box uh, <laughs> yelling at him for decisions he made uh, in the fourth quarter of a tight game. So this, this is the window of opportunity to get things done. So I, I think by getting an experienced guy, a guy with a vision, uh, and that he comes in and, and he can get things done now during the honeymoon period, I, I think that's a good match. You, you never know. I, I learned long ago not to bet on success long term with, it, with this team, this organization. Certainly you'd say Rivera is the guy to get it done. He's the right pick. Uh, but that, that's not to say they've never made good hires or I think they've made good hires before. I, I think it's a building that, that chews you up and spits you out in a hurry. Uh, I hope Rivera can rise above that, but, uh, you know, it'll be several years before we get those returns. Yeah, it's, it can't be right now. We were talking in the segment we recorded that it cannot be right now, and so many fans just want to say, this is the year. Dwayne Hassett is going to improve. Darius Geis is going to be healthy. Terry McLaurin is going to be amazing. This defense is going to be so much better. The NFC East is still really, really good, despite the record that they put out there last year. The Eagles will be better. The Cowboys will be better. And the Giants, believe it or not, are going to look better as well. This isn't just a guarantee that they're going to turn the ship right around, especially in the NFC that now has Tom Brady in it. The Giants can't be worse. That's that's the that's uh, yeah, that's the big that's, that's a view from uh, from East Rutherford there. They can't be worth that. I, I I think you know my my early peg is six wins. Um, and, and you know I, I, that that's what I'm telling people. I think this is you you improve the defense dramatically. I think the offense takes a little step forward. I, I think this is a six win team. Uh, every team in the NFL is very tough to play, of course. And I, you know, I I, I don't want to undersell it because uh, you know it's the only thing anybody talks about twenty. Seven, but I, I think the impact of coronavirus could favor established teams. And, and a little part of me is glad that Tom Brady bounced because I, I think you would look at a Belichick Brady team as being an early favorite in, in a league that's not going to get a lot of offseason time right. together. Um, this is a new team, this is a new operation, a new playbook, all that. Those things don't happen instantly, they happen 
now on the field in April and May mm-hmm. and June, and they're not going to get that time together. Um, so I, I do wonder if the more established teams, I think the Cowboys are a great example of that. Uh, the Eagles are probably also a great example of that, a, a team where they can all jump in mm-hmm. a minimal amount of practice and start rolling from day one. I, I wonder if this season's going to favor them. Yeah, this season, it's, it's the weirdest one ever because everything's on time for now. That's all we know. But the biggest thing is you mentioned, they're just not on the field. Dwayne Haskins should be growing right now with these players. Uh, I Remind me again, you know this better than I do. Mini camps would have started by now or OTAs would have started by now? We'd be in OTAs. Uh, the OTAs, mandatory right. mini camp uh, is in June, uh, but the OTAs phase up with individual work group work, teamwork, on the field work. Yeah. Right. So they make the progression. Yeah. Right. So all those activities now sideline. You're not getting that time that Dwayne Haskins could have to develop under Rivera, under Scott Turner, uh, and Jack Del Rio to get with his guys. And that's why this team is – I think six wins is spot on. That's if, – if you had asked me before you said your number, I would have said six wins as well. It just feels like that's where this sign team is right genius. now. Right. It's a sign of genius, right? And – that's not a bad thing. I know we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but that's just what I want to get across because Michael's probably the one who knows best uh, about just putting win totals out there and saying, this is your over-under. This is your betting line. This is past history, numbers, and talent. And it just needs to be out there so people don't get ahead of themselves. It's, it's crazy to think that people are willing to jump further and just make it like, oh, we're going to go to the playoffs. If Haskins shoots to the moon, sure, but – the odds are remarkably against that. It's got nothing against the kid. He's just, he's got a lot to learn. He's got a whole new system to learn, a whole new coaching staff to learn. He doesn't have a left tackle right now, by the way, Mm -hmm. uh, important football position. Uh, I think you can bet on Haskins, but bet against the 2020 season. Sure. I think that's fair. 100%. In terms of this virtual draft, it's going to be weird because they've got what the Redskins have their 24 seven or no, it's they partner with seven 11. They got the virtual draft experience from the 23rd, 24th, 25th. And they say it's going to be on their, all their social media platforms and YouTube and everything. It's going to be an inside look. I don't know how much they're going to let them look inside the war room. I feel like that's just kind of a misleading, uh, media release of, yeah, we're going to let all the fans watch it. You're not going to let the fans just watch Ron, uh, and who's the uh, Kyle Smith just making all these calls and Dwayne Haskins. Like, this is going to be fascinating to see what they're actually going to show off in this virtual draft. I feel like it's just all smoke and mirrors. I feel like you're all access. If you take Chase Young, because the access is, Hey, who should we take? Let Chase Young. Yeah. Yeah. Take Chase Young. He's pretty like, yeah, of course, if they, if they trade, they're not going to show the fielding the calls and negotiating yep. with the dolphins and, you know, work, working out trade compensation. Uh, but I, I think all access works best uh, if it's all access, him typing Chase Young into a computer and hitting send. That, could you imagine, though, if they did, in fact, start those phone calls and you had fans? Because we're all going to watch. Now that we have an opportunity to tune in, we're going to be watching and see how they're going through this process. And if you start to see those phones chirping, what do you think Twitter's going to be like, man? That's the <laughs> best when you start to th- see things happen and then <laughs> just start claiming, oh, they're making the call at offense. Oh, they're making this call. What's happening now? It's, the timeline will be in- absurd. It's like you'd be like uh, signing day in college when they have the, the webcam or the fax machine. You're waiting oh, yeah. for the faxes to come in. That's old school. They don't fax anymore. That was, that was always a riot. That's going to be great. On top of that, too, the report that the NFL is sending camera kits out to participants of like 60. My fear is there's going to be that one guy who forgets there's a camera there and comes out of the bathroom doing something dumb. Like just that's there's so many red flags about this, especially if they're not trained. 
is going to be fantastic. I, I'm really looking forward to this draft just for that alone is how this is going to be so different. We need this. This, this will be good. This will be, uh, uh, you know, that, you know, everybody's kind of been waiting to this, building up to this. So I think it'll be a good reprieve for a lot of folks. Absolutely. It certainly made our lives easier as sports journalists, writers, and broadcasters. And Mike, is there anything that people can look out for, uh, whether it's Richmond Science Dispatch? Uh, I know you do stuff over with um, 910 The Fan over in Richmond. What, what can people look for you on? Yeah, rich, richmond.com got some good stuff this week. I am on Team Trade. Uh, trade the pick, and uh, I, will, I will, of course, write that out. Uh, look at who the other impact players might be and then what you could be looking for there. And uh, uh, maybe looking at what this season might look like. Been talking to some folks uh, about that. I, I think the consensus right now is there's not going to be uh, many fans in the stadium this year, um, but what exactly the, the season look, might look like going forward. And your subscriptions went up too, right? We have 10,000 digital subscribers. Thank you for teeing me up, Chip. That was a professional effort right there. I love it. Shameless uh, plugs. Well-deserved. Young podcast, but a veteran effort. Um, yeah, we got 10,000 digital subscribers. So that's an addition to the people, the tens of thousands of people who get the newspaper on their doorstep every day. We're really pumped about that. As you know, uh, people are not subscribing to the on their doorstep newspaper uh, anymore. Not many people doing that. Uh, so we're pushing people into the digital and uh, really, really pumped that people have been responding to that. we got David Teal on board, a phenomenal columnist. Uh, if you like college sports, uh, he is absolutely a must-read. 13-time Virginia Sports Writer of the Year. I'm not bitter, but I am his boss now. Dude, you are skyrocketing, my friend, and we are happy to share your success. You can follow him on Twitter at MichaelPRTD or, uh, yeah, Michael MichaelPRTD. Got, got it. Nailed it. And uh, – we appreciate you being on with us, man. Take care, and hopefully we'll see you in Ashburn soon. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure catching up with my friend Michael Phillips at Michael PRTD. If you're a Redskins fan and you are not following him already, you need to change that. Now. Call to action. He's good. He knows what he's talking about. He's been on the beat forever, and he's an incredible writer. So seriously, give him a follow. And you can follow us too, at DCAF Pod. That's the podcast handle on social media. Or you can follow me, your host, Chip Briere, at Chip underscore Briere. I got that brisket on the Instagram, at Chip underscore Briere. Dude, it is epic. And it was so easy to make. It was just one cup of barbecue sauce, one whole onion, water, salt and pepper. Done. Five hours, 275 degrees. Easy. Five-pound brisket. I just gave you a cook a cooking recipe from my mom's cookbook. That's what you get on District of Chip and Friends. So why not subscribe, rate, and review the pod while you're at it? Just for that little tidbit. Shameless plug. And now, to Rob Carlin. Are you putting video out of this, or is this just going to be audio? Uh, just audio. But if okay. you want to record if you want to record for your own purposes, by all means. No, no, I just didn't know, like, the hair and what I'd throw a hat. Oh, you're good. Yeah, okay. we're just audio. I just figured it's nice to look at you when we talk. <laughs> okay. So, cool. Cool. All right. Um, can you do me one more favor and just do a quick mic check? <clears throat> test, test, test. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. I think I know what's going on. Hang tight here. I'm going to switch over to this headset. All right. Uh... Check, check, check. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting you. Cool. I want to make sure I was picking up on my OBS. Uh, one more time for me. Check, check, check. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We are good to go. <clears throat> All right. Record here. We'll do this thing. All right.
in three, two, one. Okay, so it's been about a week, week and a half since DCAF began in the world of podcasting, and now we're going to venture back into another podcaster who is also a brilliant insider for the Capitals. His name is Rob Carlin of NBC Sports Washington. Welcome to the pod, man. You're looking good. You got the full-on playoff beard despite not having Stanley Cup playoffs right now, and you got a good setup. How are things over in your household? Well, I'll tell you what I'm not, and that is a stay-at-home dad or an elementary school teacher. That much I have absolutely <laughs> learned in my time here. I think that um, with all due respect to Ovi and Backstrom and Wilson and all those guys, teachers should be paid at least a million dollars a year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, look, we're all dealing with this. We're all figuring out how to live in this world. It's... Um, you know, our sanity is being stretched to the limits, but um, at, at the same time, there's not going to be, you know, there, I won't get this time ever again. Like my kids are young, they're fun. I have twin girls so they can entertain each other and, you know, trying to, to um, have as much fun as I can. I'm a big Grateful Dead fan and I posted on my Facebook page yesterday. We, me and the girls went out and had a lacrosse catch in the morning and then we went for a wild bike ride at this great park near me, Quiet Waters Park in Annapolis. And I posted the picture and I said, it reminds me of a Grateful Dead song. We may be going to hell in a bucket, but at least I'm enjoying the ride. So it was a fun day yesterday. That's awesome. I love that. I am a fish fan. So that's kind of the one step under of Grateful Dead. So we can jam out sometime in the near I've, future. I've seen fish plenty of times. I saw the dead probably 60 some odd times. I've seen fish okay times yeah okay all right let's start there then because i've been to a fish new year's eve concert have you been to a new year's eve fish concert i have would you go to new york uh yes i was in new york yes in what fact, year? we we snuck down i want to say we ended up in one of their boxes um like like one of the guys in the band and like we were sitting Ooh. with the yeah we were ended up sitting with their family we kind of just snuck around and found seats and we were sitting in the, with, in the family section and uh, like someone turned and looked at us, there's, you know, three 20 something year olds who had clearly been enjoying ourselves all night long. And they were like, Oh, <laughs> how do you guys know the band? And we were like, I mean, how does anyone know the band? The music, man. Like we were all like, this is great. They're like, no, no. How do you know them? And we were like, and it was like at that moment, we all looked at each other and, they weren't talking to me. They were talking to my friend, Brian. And at that moment, I was like, oh, man, we're in the wrong section. And he, <laughs> and, and, and he was like, what do you mean? And they were like, well, this is like, I, I don't remember if it was Trey. Like, this is Trey's section. And he was like, oh, how do I know? Oh, and he just starts making up. So I was like, oh, God, we're in the wrong. So I think they realized that we had kind of snuck in and were just like, whatever, man, that's fine. But yeah, for a second there, I was like, man, we're going to get thrown out of a new year's eve concert for fish oh my yeah. gosh that's a, a fantastic story do you remember what year that was i try to listen to every single new year's eve uh set i can i mean it was it had to be somewhere in the 95 through 90 that was the resurgent years that was yeah, the resurgent yeah, yeah, yeah. years of fish when they came back into the light i think i was at my i went to miami and that was 2015 that was oh, a great yeah. concert. Yeah. I had my Russell Wilson t-shirt on praying they were going to play Wilson because I was just ready to run around and go, I came prepared. I knew what I'm doing. And they did not. 
They did not. They played they Ghost not. instead, which was okay. fantastic. Okay. So good. Uh, you can listen to Rob Carlin on Capitals Talk podcast, but more so on NBC Sports Washington as the Cats pregame and postgame live host whenever we get back to hockey. Because, dude, this has been really hard to not see the Capitals on the ice, especially when we've talked to Ovechkin, to Backstrom, and now Reardon. And we'll also be talking to Carlson. It's been really weird without hockey in our lives, dude. I mean, it's really weird without anything in our lives, you know? Like, there's no refuge at all. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I did a um, – I did a, I had a conversation with Garnet Hathaway because he's really been pushing his past heroes and getting money out for first responders. And he worked with Chef Robbie, who works with the Caps. Um, getting meals out to first responders. So I talked with him and, um, you know, I said, I was like, look, this team really got off kilter for a long time. And it's never really easy with the Caps. Every year they go through stretches where they, you know, lose a handful of games and, you know, Caps fans, I love Caps fans. They're passionate, but sometimes they sure do love to eat their own. And, you know, every year is they should fire this guy and trade that guy. And this guy sucks and that guy sucks. So it was a tough road. But despite that, still in first place, Ovi's still pushing for his 950 goal season. And I said, how bad do you want this group to prove how good you really are? And he's like, man, I do. The guys that won it a couple of years ago want to show that they could do it again. My dream is to raise the Stanley Cup. So I, I think they knew and know that there's still something special in that room. And they at least want a shot. They want that chance to give it a run and because uh, they all know that Ovi and Backstrom in that core, you know, Holpe probably in his last year, there's only so many kicks at this they get. Yeah. And, uh, I think they want it desperately. Yeah. You can see it from the way they were playing going into this break where they would get up for the big games and then struggle against the lower opponents, especially on the road. And for many of us who watch this team, we knew there'd be ups and downs in the season, but the timing seems off compared to years previous when they would have that lull at the beginning midpoint of the season. Now it seems like it's at the latter part of the season, not turning into that good portion as playoffs are approaching, at least, did you get that sense that I'm getting? Well, it's not even that. I mean, this started in late December and hasn't really stopped. I mean, usually there was like a run there where they won six or seven games in a row, and it's crazy to, you know, kind of blow that off. But when you're, you know, follow the caps, that's not that crazy to win six or seven in a row. But other than that, they've been a 500 team since late December. So, I mean, it was definitely concerning. And, look, we also don't know what goes on. Like, we had this conference call with Todd Reardon, and, you know, no one knew that his son who battles an autoimmune deficiency his whole life um, was out of school for a month leading up to the coronavirus because that he had was crazy hearing that. Right. And, and, and you heard in his voice, I, we did a podcast right afterwards and it was me, JJ Regan, Brian McNally, and we had Ben Rabion. And I said, Ben, we, at that point, when he started talking about what he's gone through and what he's going through now, and what they have to do to deal with this. I was like, we weren't talking to Todd Reardon, the head coach. That was Todd Reardon, scared and nervous dad. A guy we've never seen, really. Right. You heard it in his voice. He sounded different, right? And he's been dealing with this for a month. So, you know, while the Caps are going through their up and downs, this guy is go, you know, going home every night and just hoping and praying that his kid's going to be healthy the next day. So, you know, we don't know what's going on in their lives. But, again, to get back to the hockey portion of it. Right. I'd still – put my money on anytime you throw Ovi, Kuzi, Wilson, or Vrana, Backstrom, Oshie on the eyes, you throw out the Caps team against 
almost any other team, I'm still putting my money on the caps in a yeah. series. So I, I would, I would have really loved to have seen, even though they've struggled and even though, and I've, I, I asked Nick Dow during the season sort of off the record, but this has been out there now. I've, yep. I've said it on TV, like, you know, the Islanders are playing for their lives every single night. You know, they're, most of the league is battling for their playoff lives every night they step on the ice, not the caps, especially with the, the, the historically good start this year. Like, it's hard to get up for a Tuesday night game against Winnipeg. It really is. They built up that pad so they could have these fall-off games. And they are getting up against the big opponents. They were before we hit this coronavirus lull. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I was saying going into the season, I think a lot of people, including yourself, you can correct me if I'm wrong, believed they were a Stanley Cup contender and still remain to be that. 100%. Uh, again, uh, they've been a Stanley Cup contender for more than a decade now. You know, if – and I know what this sounds like, but if not for Pittsburgh, they probably would have won a couple at this point. So I just think that despite it all, despite all the, and, and, you know, I started doing this uh, today in caps history, which is one of those things I started doing. I was like, God, this is a lot of work during the uh, pause. And, and as I was going back and researching, you know, things that happen on certain dates, I started looking and I was like, man, every year as I do the research, I would look and I'm like, you know, the Caps have lost six of their last nine games and fighting for their playoff. I was like, God, this happens every year. And I, I knew in my head it kind of feels that way because yeah. you start reading back. So the group has experience with, with this type of thing. But, yeah, of course they're a Stanley Cup. Anytime Obi steps on the ice, that team is a Stanley Cup contender. He is the great eight chasing the great one. And I think – I believe he is going to make it – in catch up to Wayne Gretzky that's just my personal take he's, he's I, I absolutely felt that before this this has got me concerned now if we don't get these if he doesn't get these games back like it was going to be close right he was going to get yeah you what was it like six or something like that he needed to get to 50 something like that I don't remember the exact number oh uh, uh, for this to year get, yeah to get to 50 yeah to, something like that yeah yeah and he was on pace for 55 56 goals this year yeah so just on a tear yeah, and you just start taking the number. Like, at some point, you start, you know, you've done this. you produced your own shows. You, you back time from right. when we got to get it out. Like, I was back timing from when he needed to reach uh, Gretzky. And I was like, it almost seems like inevitable. But right. you start taking games away, and now no more, room, you know, margin for error. Gets much, much harder. Rob Carlin, you can follow him on Twitter, at Rob Carlin, NBCS, host of Caps pregame and postgame live, and Capitals Talk podcast. So before we get to our final segment with you, which is our Capitals mailbag, I posted on the subreddits, get some questions from viewers. Uh, you have been a D.C purebred from start to finish you went to university of maryland you've pretty much gone i looked at your resume you've gone all throughout the area sports anchor reporter and whatnot i've asked a lot of people this because dcaf is focusing on just how the district is such a great sports town and produces great sports people what has that journey been like for you to go from local sports anchor reporter to now being basically one of the faces of capitals coverage because it was a long road for you i remember when i first met you i think it was in charlotte for the ncaa tournament and you were walking me through it and i was amazed by how long it took you to get there yeah i mean my so i grew up in long island um but my my on-air started in salisbury maryland well i was a producer in baltimore Got the on-air gig in Salisbury. So you're sort of on the fringes of D.C. and Baltimore. A little bit of coverage of the Ravens and the Redskins and <clears throat> Caps a little bit back then because I was there like 97 to 01. So mm -hmm. um, um, the Caps weren't huge, huge back then. But um, then I went to Birmingham, Alabama, 
which I always say for a Jewish kid from Long Island, bit of a culture <laughs> shock. Bit of a culture <laughs> shock. A bit. Bit. Loved it down there. Absolute blast. And if you didn't love college sports before you got there, you absolutely love it by the time you leave. Roll Tide. Um, yeah, roll War Eagle, baby. War Eagle. And that's um, it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, then I then I came back. I did some work in New York. Did some work in Baltimore. Did some work here. And what you said of being one of the um, faces of the Caps broadcast, and obviously when I did it for the year they won the Cup, was the biggest thing. I always say when I grew up, the broadcasters of my teams were as much a part of the experience as the players. You know, I grew up on Long Island. I watched Islanders games. Jiggs McDonald and Eddie Westfall and Stan Fischler were all part of the night as much as Brian Trotty, Mike Bossy, and Billy Smith. They were all just part of what I did. Those are the guys I listened to night in and night out. You know, for the Mets, it was Ralph Kiner and Tim McCarver. Like, they were part of the experience of being a Mets fan. And I don't take for granted that I'm now part of that experience for other people. When you do local sports, you tell the stories and it's great and you're near it and you're there all the time. Yeah. When you're a part of the nightly experience. It's so different. It's so different. And I'm jealous remember, in a lot of ways. You, you get, you get that access and also you get to be that voice, that, that first voice. It's, and you do such a great job of it. I want to make sure I tell you that you're so good at your job. You deserve it. And it's just good to hear the background of it's just so different and you really become a part of their lives. I, I appreciate that. And, and, uh, yes, it, I, I value it. And I, it, the story I always tell is during the cup run, I was getting off a plane. We were going to Tampa and there was like an 11 year old kid waiting for me to get off a plane. I, I didn't know. So I'm walking up the plane. I got my headphones on. He's waving. And I'm like, I don't, is he waving at me? Like, I don't, this is weird. I don't know this kid. And I get close and now he locks eyes with me and he's waving. I take my headphones out and he's like, Hey Rob, I, I recognize you on the, playing i'm a huge caps fan i was like oh what's up buddy and his name is martin and start talking and just you know high-fiving he's giving me like all his thoughts on the caps playoff run and then we start to walk away and i took a picture with him start to walk away and him and his mom were out i think i lost your mic you hear me still yeah i got your mic i got you back now sorry we'll edit it okay <laughs> So he, so I, his mom kind of grabs him. We take this picture. His mom grabs him and is kind of like holding him close. Like, Hey buddy, like, I'm so excited for you. And I ran forward and I, I tapped her. I was like, if you think it was more exciting for him than it was for me, you're crazy. Cause I was that kid. And I know that what that feels like, that was awesome for me. And I can't wait to tell my mom, you know, here I am in my forties. I like, I can't wait to tell my mom about that. So I really do value the spot I'm in, I know that, you know, it was a lot of work to get here, but I'm lucky to be where I am. And I, I appreciate it every day that I get to do what I do. That is freaking cool, man. That is so freaking cool. Now with the state of DC sports, the way that it is, and you being a part of the capital side of things, the network of broadcasters and sports teams, it seems like DC's really tight knit right now. I, I worked in Miami in college for a couple of years and everyone's friendly, but here more than anywhere, it seems like everyone's really good friends with in some capacity. Have you ever felt that anywhere else? Uh, well, my first jobs, you know, it was fun because we're all in our twenties and everyone goes out every night and you're all kind of doing this together and everyone's running around with cameras and shooting videos. So everyone yeah. was, 
super tight there. But um, you're right. And the funny thing is, to me, and you've been around the Redskins crew enough, that room, when I started covering the Redskins, from when Robert was drafted, his two years, being in that Redskins room, I was like, this is the most fun I've ever had anywhere. Like, these guys are all nuts. It was John Kime, who's been around forever and is one of the best guys I've ever met in the business. Agreed. And Grant Paulson, who was there on the day-to-day at that point, hilarious, connected, just an awesome, awesome person. And then my crew that I work with, and then just like everyone, like the jokes never stop. The plot lines were every day. You know, that was, that was, we started the, um, oh God, what was the guy's name? It was the, uh, oh, I'm going to try and help you here. If you give me some hints. Well, it was when we started cooking for, for on Fridays where everyone would cook a meal on Fridays and oh. we called it something. There was like a, there was like a fringe player and we dedicated that to him. But someone, I think it was Kime, like brought in food on a Friday. And we're like, oh, that's really good. Who's bringing next week? And someone cooked the next week. And then every, now we had a sign-up sheet where everyone would sign up. And you better bring something good that you <laughs> cook. Like Tarek El-Bashir worked with us. He freaking brought Taco Bell because he loved Taco Bell. <laughs> and we're always like, you cheap SO cook. And he's like, come on, everyone loves Taco Bell. <laughs> but, like, it's so much fun, and the ridiculous stories were always great, and the arguments back. But you're right. It is a pretty fun crew, wherever you are. Like, whoever comes into this group, like, everyone gets along and has fun. You're absolutely right. That's why it's been such a joy to be a part of it for a year and hopefully many years to come. I mean that genuinely to you and anybody I talk to. We move forward into our next segment, uh, the Capitals Mailbag. Today, it's with Rob Carlin of NBC Sports Washington. You can follow him on Twitter at Rob Carlin NBCS. He's also the host of the Capitals Talk podcast. So I posted on the Capitals subreddit, and we got a couple of questions here. We're going to run them by you and uh, just fire away with your best responses. From Thumb underscore Quack, interesting name, Kovalchuk seemed to appear comfortable and in sync with his new teammates. Given his strong performance since joining the Caps, will they consider re-signing him when he is a free agent? I doubt it. I think this was a rental to give it a run. I, I don't, I don't financially, I don't see how they'd probably be able to do it. And I don't know that you want to commit to a guy at that age. You've got enough older guys. They're one of the oldest teams in the league as it is. I think it was a perfect rental. I think it was perfect for what they needed right now. I just don't see that fitting into where they'll need to go for uh, youth purposes and for financial purposes moving forward. To our next question, Indigo Alex 14 asks, before the COVID-19 crisis hit, was there any concern that members of the Caps coaching staff could lose their jobs in the offseason? The Capitals were in a major slump since Christmas and didn't seem to be making much progress, so I can't help but wonder if a shakeup could be coming. Thanks. Uh, all depends on what would have happened moving forward. Uh, you know, we should be – we're recording this on what Tuesday? Is today Tuesday? I don't even know what today. Is. Yeah, time is irrelevant. Time is My irrelevant. friend Gabe said there is no such thing as time in coronavirus. Right. So whatever day it is, any day now, the playoffs should have been starting, and everything for the Caps is judged off of what happens from this point forward. So obviously, with the way they've played since late December, anyone's job could be in jeopardy. And if it was a first-round exit, probably everyone's job is up for question. Um, but, I, I, you know, if they end up in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup, I'd probably say everyone's pretty safe at that point. 
Yeah, anytime you get to a championship game, you're looking pretty good with those bonuses. Sax is my axe one underscore asks, what are good examples of Ovi's leadership skills? The the number one that I always tell is the year they won the cup. They had that emergency goalie in Winnipeg suit up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, but he came in and suited up for a game. Didn't play, but came in and had to suit up. And I had him on a podcast afterwards because it was such a neat story. And he said, here he comes walking in. He's nervous. He's got a bag of equipment. You know, no one believed him when he said, I'm going to be the emergency backup for the Caps. Like, you had to get someone to vouch for him to come into the building. And he said he walked around the corner, and the first guy waiting to meet him outside the dressing room was Ovi. And Alex put his hand out and said, hey, I'm Alex. Nice to meet you. And he's like, yeah, I, I, I know who you are. And he's like, yeah, come on in. I'll show you where to go. So Ovi did that. Ovi could have never talked to that guy, and no one would have even said a word. But instead, he went out and greeted him, made him feel – comfortable and then he said before they took the ice that guy's stall was the first stall or the, rather the last stall before you walk out the door first if you're walking into the room and he said Ovi walked by slammed his pads with his stick he said come on boys and they all walked out he's like at that he's and he said he's like I knew then I was a Caps fan for life and I was like well that's that's Ovi you don't walk into a click you walk into the family and I think Ovi the mature Ovi has been the leader of that yeah, it's the things you do when no one's watching. That's the old cliche, right? And Novechkin thrives in that regard because we sometimes don't see all those leadership things play out. We have to have it told to us. But when we hear it, we just know that's Ovi. Last question because it is COVID-19 and we need to try and be a little lighthearted. We know everyone's staying safe. Uh, INDAV asks this, does Ovi put his toilet paper roll over or under? If the answer is the wrong way, I might have to reevaluate a lot of things. I doubt that we know the answer to that question, but because toilet paper is a hot commodity these days, I figured, why not? Let's just go there. First off, I, I scored some toilet paper recently, and I raised it above my head like the Stanley Cup because I yes. was so excited. Yes. Went to Sam's, had a feeling. I got online. I was like, it, it seems like they have some in-store. I was like, girls, let's go. And we ran over, and I got, like, the big Sam's, like – a lot of them, and I raised it over my head, like so happy. Um, I would say that the uh, 20-something and early 30s Ovi never even put it on the, on the thing, probably just kept it on the floor and just <laughs> used it like that. That is my bet, yes. using myself at yes. as, as a basis. So I'm saying he never even got it onto the roller. Um, Present day Ovi, I only hope and pray it's over. It has to be over. Because anyone under is doing it wrong. Yes. And I question their sanity. Yes. Preach. Yes. So it better be over the top. That's the only way it should be done. And I've had this debate with my wife because she does not care. (laughs) I was like, that's because you don't value that room. You, it's efficiency. It's efficiency related. It's easier to pull apart. You take less of it. It's, right. it's science. If you pull and that zoom goes and my girls, zing, it's just, I walk in, it's all over the floor. I'm like, what Toast. are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing? Has to be over the top. Has to be over the top. Rob Carlin, 
you are an awesome dude. You're a gem, and we appreciate you being on with us. You can catch him on NBC Sports Washington as the host of the Caps pregame and postgame live shows. He's also the host of Capitals Talk Podcast. Go check it out and follow him on Twitter at Rob Carlin NBCS. Rob, stay safe. Keep that playoff beard growing. I can't get there, so I'm rooting on you. I appreciate it, and uh, good luck with this venture. I, this is smart of you to do, so I hope it works out for you. Appreciate it, man. Again, thank you to Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, editor, writer, covering the Redskins beat, and Rob Carlin of NBC Sports Washington, host of the pregame and postgame Capital Show and Capitals Talk podcast. And we thank you for listening in to District of Chip and Friends with me, your host, Chip Briere. You can follow us on social media at DCAFpod. That's the podcast handle. And myself at Chip underscore Briere, B-R-I-E-R-R-E. Again, if you need a reminder, no episode this Wednesday as we do our best to figure out where our direction is headed for the pod, not discouraging, we just want to get this thing right because there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, with COVID-19, the novel coronavirus, and we want to do it right. So there will be no episode this Wednesday, but there will be an episode on Friday. And to be sure you get it on time, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever podcast platform you tune into. And while you're at it, if you're feeling kind enough, rate and review the pod if you made it this far cheers first round is on me to the young the old and the proud catch y'all later